God, my God, I cry out, your beloved needs you now. Greetings and welcome to this week's podcast, Confirmation Podcast. We are uh, talking about uh, Wednesday, April 3rd, and today we're going to talk a little bit about this conversion experience that happens on the way to Damascus for a certain character. Now, I kind of hinted a little bit about this, but let me just recap really quickly. Remember, uh, last week we talked a little bit about Peter, Peter taking on this role as leader of the church. Um, He becomes kind of... uh, important to whatever it is that is going on. They have this great community. Things are going well. People have come together. Um, it's wonderful. Everybody is, you know, sharing their resources and all the, the, they're selling their homes to give to this so that everybody can be supported in this endeavor. I mean, it's really going really well. And that lasts for about a chapter or two, because that's how these kinds of things go. And eventually, you know, human beings act the way that they do sometimes. And so, uh, you know, first we have some moments of selfishness and things like that. And then uh, the people, these leaders in the early church, begin to be persecuted. And we talked a little bit on last Wednesday about how persecuted it sometimes means they will be uh, killed. That does happen. And most of the uh, most of the uh, disciples who are now apostles, um, most of them die in, frankly, pretty horribly tragic kind of ways. But um, it also can just simply be being arrested, uh, being harassed, all of those different kinds of things. But I want us to start a little bit earlier than that conversion experience story. I'm gonna, we're going to read that one in just a minute. I'm going to read that one in just a minute. But I want to start us off a few chapters earlier, and that's in Acts 6, the chapter is chapter 6. Where at the beginning, remember, we have the only people who are kind of the leaders at this point are those 12 disciples who have been called by Jesus, who have been blessed with the Holy Spirit, all those kinds of good things. And the challenge then becomes is that, frankly, they have, remember, on the first day, 3,000 people join. So all of a sudden, who's in charge? Well, you 12 are in charge. And so they're trying to figure out how are we going to manage this? One of the first things that they do is that they find people, um, seven people, (coughs) excuse me, seven people who will go and uh, help out and kind of do some of the, the maintenance stuff of what it is that needs to happen for this church to continue to run. And um, their names are, uh, I'm just going to name them off, Stephen, Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. So we get all of these different folks who are kind of a part of this. By the way, you might have noticed some of those names are Roman. Some of those names are Jewish. So we have already sort of a mix of people that are a part of this. And their job is to sort of go and uh, uh, make sure that people are taken care of and are part of this community and all those kinds of things. And, And they do that and it starts to grow. Now, the first one I named is a person named Stephen, and it's important to note Stephen was the first martyr of the church, um, and martyr is, is, is what it sounds like it is, somebody who has been killed for their faith. And so Stephen goes and uh, does all these great wonders and signs and speaks great words, and then people start saying, oh, no, 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 you are terrible. Um, we're gonna we got to throw you in in uh, in jail and so they kind of arrest him and bring up all sorts of false charges against him and then we're gonna transition into this is Acts 7 
where Stephen, for the most part, Acts 7, is, the, is him giving this very long speech about how it is that God has worked through their ancestor Abraham, who has worked through the people and has called them to new places and new ways of doing things. And so, um, kind of, and then works through them going to Egypt and, and, and then being led out of Egypt by, by God through Moses, right? And it was, and he kind of moves on to this idea of, uh, look, you are always opposing the Holy Spirit. That there's always members of our family back in through the day, if you can remember, who have done things that have been contrary to what it is that God wants. So look, it's time to kind of change and follow uh, the one true God in Jesus. And so um, everybody, when they hear these things, I was. this is an interesting moment. When they heard these things, this is at the end of that chapter, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. Can you hear You can kind of feel that one, can't you? Ground their teeth at Stephen. And But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. And the next chapter begins... Chapter 8 begins with a line, and Saul approved of their killing him. And then there were all of these persecutions. Uh, That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Now, just a second, we're going to take a quick note there. What did Jesus say at the beginning? Uh, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. You kind of get the sense things are moving, right? Keep it going. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. Now, fast forward a little bit. We get to hear about one of the other deacons, his, uh, uh, one of these other people who was taking care of people in the church. His name is Philip, who kind of goes around and does a couple of neat things. Um, and then we get to... Acts 9. And this is that Damascus road conversion moment. So here we go. Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, 
and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard it were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among among those who invoked his name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, after some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. All right, so now we have the conversion of this person who was completely opposed to the church, who wanted to destroy it, who did actively try to kill off its members, arrest them, have them tossed out, cause panic and worry. And yet, who does God choose to continue to do God's work? That person. That's who God has chosen in the midst of all of that. I mean, it's kind of amazing when you stop and think about it, that this is who God will choose to be a part of this. And his name will move, slowly but surely, from Saul to Paul. He will become more and more important as you go through the 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 rest of the New Testament. Honestly, we are going to spend a lot more of our time reading about uh, reading about uh, uh, Saul, who has become Paul. He continues to just sort of continue to move and go and travel all over the place. But that's how that's how we get this important figure, who is the main one who sort of changes the church, who goes out and reaches beyond uh, what people are used to, and who has, who will write all kinds of important lessons in the midst of all of that. And uh, so we will continue to talk through uh, all of those kinds of experiences. So, so here is what uh, your question is for today. Let's say you thought about somebody who you thought was out to get you, who was your greatest enemy, Whether and this could be somebody you think of on sort of a large cosmic scale, um, or, or, you know, like a, a, you know, people from another country or something like that, or even maybe just somebody in your life who you think is, who is after you, who you think uh, is, is trying to hurt you in some way. And what would it mean if that person began to, to instead change and was alongside you? How would you take that news? How would you handle all of that? All right. All right. We'll talk some more about this today. Uh, look forward to seeing y'all. Bye. I will lift my eyes to the corner of the ocean.
oceans. Rain. 